You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you've got this. Well, people, here we are. Another fun-filled adventure. And today, we get to talk about my favorite topic, pricing. Over the weekend, I did a call out on my Instagram stories asking for y'all to send me your questions about pricing. And I will say, if you are not yet following me on Instagram, do it. If you want a slight kick in the pants mixed with a little bit of positivity and can do, then you have come to the right place, friends. And here we are all together again. So I received a shit ton of questions because I know pricing is where everybody stumbles And I will just start this off with giving you the rundown of the pricing models that are most commonly taught through the formal certification programs. If you are focused in on everyday flowers, the model that most designers follow is taking your wholesale product, so that's going to be your flowers and your sundries, timesing that by three, and then adding on your time. Tax is then included on top of all of that. So there are quite a few different models that are taught, but as long as you're pricing, if you're focused in on everyday flowers, deliveries, shop, deliveries, retail, etc., and your pricing comes up to that sort of model, you are good to go. Or as all the young people say, GTG. If you are focused more in on everyday events, then the pricing model to follow is taking your wholesale product, multiplying that by three, and then adding on 25 to 50% premium, and then adding tax on. The reason that that is a range is purely because you can add, should I say, you should add a higher markup the more expertise and experience is required to make the thing happen. Intricate wiring, installations, procuring special services all take a very specific level of expertise. Don't be shy about charging for that expertise. And I was telling my students this morning, all my girls who are in the business masterclass, we were learning all around your money mindset. And I want you to remember as a general message to everybody out there who is listening to this podcast in your earballs. Sometimes your job is going to feel very easy. That does not mean you shouldn't be charging a premium. I might just wrap the podcast up there. Maybe that's it. Done. Thanks for coming. That's it. Over. Kidding. 
So now that we know what the industry standard pricing models are, I will reiterate one more time. You do not need to use those exact equations, but what I want you to know is as long as your pricing model, as long as your formula falls into that area, comes out to a similar result, then you are good to go. If you've been taught a different formula, and doing your math is slightly different, but you come to a similar result, keep moving on. And if you have been taught a different formula, I want you to hit pause, and I want you to sit down right now, and I want you to change your prices. Bingo! And now let us get in to the good questions. I will warn you, these are not in any particular order, but they are all super useful. And if you have any follow-up questions, if you like this style of podcast, let me know. Always happy to serve. So from my girl at J Event Design. If a bride asks you to set out name cards, etc., do some personal styling elements, would you price that as an additional cost? And how do you respond to that inquiry? So, two-part question. Question number one, if a bride asks you to set out name cards, would you price that as an additional cost? Yes, absolutely. And one of the mental challenges that we have as the people that own this business is we very often confuse the idea of being the owner and the employee as the same job. But super helpful tip. I want you to think about this for a second. You can sit down and be the owner of this business. And if you are a one woman band, if you were doing it all yourself, you doing the work, making the designs, delivering the bouquets, talking to the clients, being on the phone, representing your business as the salesperson, you are actually doing the job of an employee. So a super helpful exercise to go through is to sit down and figure out if you had to hire an employee to do the job, how much would you need to pay them and therefore how much should you be charging it out at? So that was a very long-winded answer, which kind of went in a roundabout circle. But to answer your question very specifically, if a bride asks you to set out name cards, would you price that as an additional cost? Yes, for sure, faux shiz, most definitely. The price that you want to account for is going to be the price you need to pay your staff member, right? So in Australia, that's somewhere between $30, $45 an hour you're going to mark that up two and a half to three times. That is the hourly rate you're charging that service out to your client. You can always charge more if that job takes expertise. But I will tell you from personal experience, laying out name cards can be done by a very well-trained monkey. Hot tip for everybody listening. If you are ever asked to lay out name cards, get your client to put them in order before they hand them over to you. So often our clients are ordering these from Vistaprint, somewhere on Etsy, they come in a random stack, no rhyme or reason. Please learn from our experience. Get your client to put them in order and then all you need to do is lay them out. Make sure you also grab a copy of the seating chart and that makes the job so much easier. 
So most definitely, if your clients are asking you to do tasks over and above, feel free to say yes, feel free to say no, but make sure you are also incorporating that into your quote. So two of the venues that we work at the most require their clients, i.e. the bride and groom, to bring in external help to do any styling. The venues are very clear about where their roles and responsibilities stop. Every venue has a different rule. But this venue is particularly clear. It's saying, ah, not our job. You need to find somebody else to do it. Very often, it may fall to the floral designer, which is totally fine. You can say yes to that job. You are more than capable of laying out name cards. As a matter of fact, I can tell you that your sister and or your husband are also more than capable of placing name cards. But make sure you are charging for that task. And how do you respond to their inquiry? Very simply. Respond to them very quickly and simply give them the cost for making that happen. It is up to your client to decide whether they see value in you doing that job or if they want to pull their great second distant cousin who has flown all the way over from Dubai just to join their wedding the couple want to get that person to set up name cards, that's their prerogative. Respond to your client quickly. Simply give them a cost. You don't have to make a big deal out of it and see what their response is. Bam. Question number two from Liz L. Rose. Such a good question. Are you listening? Discounting for friends and family. I never know what's appropriate. Well, people, I have a golden ticket for you. I am totally going to give credit to Katie on our team because she told me about this one and I think it's genius. If you are doing a wedding for a family or a friend who is a little bit distant and you want to provide them with a discount... Provide them with a bridal bouquet and the groom's buttonhole at no charge. Then charge them full price for everything else. In our case, our bridal bouquets are $320, our buttonholes are $25. So that's $345 that we are giving to that couple at no charge. As a point of comparison... If you were to ever buy a wedding present for that couple, I reckon you would not necessarily spend $345. So it's a great solution to what is a very common situation. No need to provide a discount across the whole quote. Simply provide them the bridal bouquet and the buttonhole at no charge. If you are focused in on everyday flowers and you are wanting to provide a discount to friends and family, 10% is more than enough. 25% in some cases. It doesn't need to be a huge amount. It's so infrequent that you will actually be doing work for family and friends. You don't need to buy their love with a massive discount. You are simply shooting yourself in the foot. So discounting for friends and family. If you're doing a wedding, highly suggest you borrow Katie's idea, give her credit, and bridal bouquet, buttonhole, no charge. Everything else, full price. 
If you're doing everyday flowers and you're looking to provide a token discount, anywhere between 10 and 25% is plenty. Okay. I don't know. Every question might be my favorite question, but this is my next favorite question from my girl, Clouds and Sweetgrass. Do I include GST or don't include GST if this is still a hobby business? What's the deal? My personal opinion, if you are taking your business seriously, if you are on a mission to make sure that this business becomes your primary income, I want you to go and register for GST, even if you're only turning over $2,000. Sign up on the Australian Tax Office website, register for GST, and take yourself seriously. Plus, added bonus, it does require a little bit more paperwork, but if you register for GST, you will be able to claim all of the GST that you end up paying for your business. If you don't register for GST, that's money you're not going to get back. So technically speaking, for all y'all around the world, your tax requirements are going to be different. But I want you to take this piece of advice. Even if this is your first week of business, I want you to take this seriously. You run a legit business. It doesn't matter if today is day one or day 1091. You run a legit business. I want you to have grander ambitions than turning over $75,000 a year because your average Australian cannot live on their own with the income of a business that turns over $75,000 a year. I want you to stretch your ambitions. I want you to go out there and set yourself and set yourself up for success to build a business that turns over more than $200,000 a year. To do that, you need to register for GST now. Because my worst nightmare, actually my worst nightmare would be caught in a bushfire, but my second worst nightmare would be knowing I have just turned over $76,000 a year. I now need to backtrack, go register for GST and redo all of my own paperwork in my business because the government is going to come calling. They want their money. They want to make sure you are following the rules. So set yourself up for success now. Take yourself seriously. You run a legit business. Register for all the taxes that you need to register for when you turn over $200,000 a year and get your processes in place today so that the day that you start turning over $76,000, you're not going, oh, fuck. Because that is a bloody nightmare. And as a creative, you do not want to make your life more difficult from an administration point of view. So register for GST now. It doesn't take very long, and it's free. In fact, I bet you you can do it in less than five minutes. And then, when you're putting your quotes together for your clients, you are including GST. And yes, depending on how often you do your tax return and your tax installments... You may need to do one more piece of paperwork every quarter, but it is going to be worth it because you run a legit business. So yes, start including GST on your quotes, start including GST on your invoices, do the paperwork with the tax office, bam, one closer step to
to legitimacy. Next question from my girl Vicky. Do you change your prices for holidays as long as the wholesale price is changed for you? So this is particularly true for Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. We all know or we have heard the horror stories of how much roses increase in price just for Valentine's Day. For us in Australia, it's very common that our red roses literally double in price. So where we used to pay $35 a bundle for 25 roses, we pay $75 a bundle for 25 roses. All of that increase in price needs to be directly passed on to your customer. You are not in control of what the wholesale price is. Where we got caught out the very first year is that I had no idea how early some of those rose prices changed. So generally speaking, the week before Valentine's Day, and you can err on the side of caution, 10 days before Valentine's Day, change your rose prices. 10 days before the 14th of February. So from the 4th or 5th of February, I want you to change your red rose price because if your wholesaler then delivers you product that's twice as expensive, you're already caught out. But remember, it is so easy in this industry to sell anything to anyone. So the guy that comes in and says, I want a dozen red roses because it's his wife's anniversary on, I guess it would be their anniversary, collectively, on the 9th of February, it's probably not the first time he's ever bought her roses. But if it is, you have every right to tell him, oh, hey, so the roses are going to be twice as expensive because it's in the lead up to Valentine's Day. Provide him a different solution. Allow him to make the decision. So major learning from our first Valentine's Day. Our wholesale rose prices doubled approximately 10 days before Valentine's Day. And I say approximately because I could go into nitty-gritty detail about how many market days before Valentine's Day and blah, 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 blah. It is going to depend on where your wholesaler sources their roses from when they start to get charged an increased price, and then what market days or wholesaler operating days are happening in the lead up to Valentine's Day. So err on the side of caution, and 10 days beforehand, increase your rose prices. And know that there are 11 trillion alternative solutions that you can provide to your clients. If they want roses and they want to pay for them, that's fine. Just provide them with a second option. And then... If your wholesaler is not getting a refresh of roses immediately, like the day after Valentine's Day, it's unlikely that you can change your prices until a few days later. So for us in Australia, 2020, Valentine's Day lands on a Friday. Friday, February 14th. That means at least the Friday beforehand... Right? So Friday the 7th, rose prices will have increased. It's very possible they will have increased on Wednesday the 5th. I will err on the side of caution, and I would say the week before Valentine's Day, change your rose prices. Roses are going to be expensive from the wholesaler the whole week of Valentine's Day. And then roses are not going to readjust themselves until 
Monday the 17th. So if you're selling roses for the 15th of February, they're still expensive. If you are doing a wedding on the 15th of February, your roses will still be expensive. So there's a few nuances to think about in terms of what your pricing is, but I can guarantee you err on the side of caution. Learn from my experience in that first year so that you're not just simply passing on wholesale product price to your customer and you as the business owner are losing out. You are not the one who's in control of the fact that everybody else decided to make Valentine's Day a big fucking deal. All you can do is educate your clients on the fact that the prices of wholesale flowers change. Provide your clients with an alternative solution. And it's up to them and it's up to your clients to decide if they want to pay the premium for the roses. They get to decide. When it comes to Mother's Day, in Australia, we don't necessarily have the same extreme fluctuations that I know that happen in North America and the UK and Europe. But same principles apply. If your wholesale product price increases, the price that you charge your customer increases. Err on the side of caution and start increasing your prices sooner. But also know you can come up with an alternative solution that is more cost effective. Because not every flower on the planet doubles in price. There will always be an alternative solution. Think about what's in season. Think about what's locally grown. Provide your customers with an alternative solution. So 100% to as succinctly as possible answer the question. If our wholesale price increases, we charge our clients more through the entire window of that wholesale price increasing. So even though Valentine's Day is for one day, the logistics of getting roses from South America to Europe or South America to Australia is intense, right? They don't get cut on the 14th and then arrive in Australia on the 14th. Is no possible. So as long as your wholesaler is charging you more, pass that price increase on to your customer. It is simply up to your customer to decide if they see value in that solution. But remember, you can always provide them with an alternative solution. Next question from Eufloria Dallas. Should the price per bunch go down if the quantity goes up high enough? So the only price breaks we ever received from our wholesalers were if we bought more than 10 bunches of the same product. This was particularly true for us in terms of foliage. So if we bought 10 bunches of magnolia foliage, they would give us a slight discount. If we bought 10 bunches of stock, we would get a slight discount. I am entirely selfish and I am happy to tell you very rarely would I ever pass that savings onto our customers. It's because of the volume of the business that we had that advantage. And because the business had been running for 30 years, it's basically part of what we actually bought when we bought the shop. That good will. So the fact that we have such great relationships with our wholesalers and they felt generous enough to provide us with a discount if we bought a certain number of bunches, that's up to me as the business owner to keep. So if you have a client that is coming in and 
let's say baby's breath. Great example. You have a client that's coming in, they're going to DIY their own wedding, and they want to buy 10 bunches of baby's breath. I would sell that to them for exactly the same price. You can decide to pass on a slight savings to your client if you want to. It's very rare that we have clients that come in and are buying things in terms of like 20, 30, 40, 50 bunches of the same thing. I think it's only when you get up into that kind of volume that you can provide a volume discount. But because of how labor-intensive floral design is, you still have to process that product. You still have to stand by it in terms of quality assurance. You don't necessarily have to provide a discount. So to keep it as black and white as possible. Only when you get up to a point where your wholesaler is providing you with a price break, can you start to provide that price break onto your clients. If your wholesaler isn't providing you a price break, there is no reason that you can warrant passing on a discount to your clients. Of course, you can run your business how you want to run, but you don't have to provide a discount if they're buying two bunches, four bunches, or five bunches. Simply multiply your cost times however many bunches they're buying. Next question is from the slow cult. At what stage in the process do you give your client an estimate? If you have been following along for the last little while, you will know the answer to this question. Here is the thing. Your clients and your customers want to know about money. They want to know about pricing and they want to know about estimates. Don't save that for the end of your conversation or for 17 emails later. We have learned through so much trial and error, the sooner you talk about pricing, the better off you all are, including your clients and including yourself. If you are completely out of budget for your client, it is so much better for you to know that in the beginning. Stop wasting your time on 1,700 emails. Stop wasting your time on mood boards. Start talking about budgeting from the very first minute that they inquire with you. Same thing goes for table arrangements. Same thing goes for shop bouquets. Same thing goes for workshops. The more comfortable and upfront you can be in terms of you talking about pricing and providing quotes, the sooner you do that in your process, the more effective and efficient your time will be. So when it comes to our wedding inquiries, it's literally email number two that we send them. They send us an inquiry. We say, yes, we're available. And we say, you need to fill out this questionnaire. From the results of that questionnaire, we'll actually send them a very quick quote. Email number two. And that's following on from the, hey, are you available? Plus, even in that, hey, are you available email that we send back to them to say, yes, we are available, we're still talking about pricing. We're still providing them with guidance and with input in terms of what their budget will get them. So I cannot reinforce this enough. From the very beginning, from the minute they say, hi, my name is, get comfortable talking about pricing. Because I don't care if you were the best floral designer on the planet. I don't care if you think you've got the most amazing color palette imaginable. It's very possible your clients are not going to listen to you if they have no idea how much their money is going to get them. So get them over the line in terms of budget. And then you will experience so much freedom and so much fun and so much good times when it comes to thinking about all the possibilities of what is possible for their event. They will be so open to listening to your input. It will blow your mind. So talk about pricing and quoting as early on in the process as is feasible. 
the biggest challenge you're going to come up with is the fact that you don't feel comfortable talking about pricing. But if you can just come to terms with the fact that your customers need to know about pricing, they might be saying, oh, hi, how are you? What they're actually saying to you is, hey, how much does this cost? But people put money in the same category as sex and religion, right? Total areas of no-go. Change that. If you can get comfortable talking about pricing, your clients will automatically be comfortable talking about pricing. Talk about pricing and quoting from as early as possible. Next question from Kate Guile, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that right, and I'm sorry if I didn't. How to explain pricing before quoting if you know other businesses will quote less? Fun fact. Who cares if other businesses quote less? That is their prerogative. You get comfortable with your approach to pricing. You know that your service and your offering is 100% worth it. And I will tell you there will always be somebody out there who will price less than you. That is not your problem. They may not even be in business 24 months from now. And I want you to be in business 24 months from now. So you getting comfortable with your pricing model is a must. And here is one of the best things you can do for your business. If you focus in on everyday flowers, start talking about the price of specific designs on your Instagram feed, on your website. Show people what their money will get them. Same thing goes if you're focused in on weddings and events. Go to your website, write a very quick, brief, succinct blog post that outlines specific budgets and what is usually covered. Make whatever assumptions you want, but go out there and start to proactively talk to your clients about what their money will get them. They have no idea, no idea how much things cost until we show them. There is a reason that petter, petters, there is a reason that petals and interflora and all of these online networks show catalogs and pricing because it makes it really easy for people to buy from them. Do the same thing. And if you want to be the most expensive floral designer on the planet, you have permission and prerogative to do that. And don't worry and don't fuss too much about coming up with a fancy pants detailed quote. Get back to your clients quickly. Answer their questions about pricing. Just put it in a well-formatted email. Remember, you get to be in charge. So start to proactively educate your clients about what goes into the service you provide. Talk to them and get them comfortable and get them understanding that these are the price points of your designs. And then they will come to you for a more detailed quote. But stop keeping everything hidden behind doors. So when it comes to explaining pricing before you go through the big fat formal quoting process, start answering your clients' questions now. Like if there is a series of frequently asked questions you get, start talking about it on Instagram, start posting about it on Facebook, start writing blog posts on your website. Come up with a frequently asked question PDF that your clients can download. And then when it comes to quoting, you don't have to explain anything. 
you come at this from a space of being helpful, reminding them that you want them to make the most of their budget, and that you have experience in this. So stop worrying if other businesses are going to charge less. I can guarantee you they're going to charge less, but I can also guarantee your service is well worth the price. Next question, very related. From my girl, Cedar and Sweet Pea. I'm using a pricing model I'm happy with, but still think I'm too expensive. Should I get a new wholesaler? Mm, no, I wouldn't say so. So here is the thing. When it comes to your relationship with your wholesaler, if you like the quality of product that they're providing to you, then it's 100% worth the money. It sounds to me like although you say you have a pricing model you're happy with, you're not because you think that you're too expensive. But here is the trick. As long as your pricing model falls in line with the industry standard, you are not too expensive. The job then comes down to making sure you're attracting the right kind of client that values that service. Now, not every client on this planet is going to value your service. That does not mean you're a bad human being. It simply means they don't value your service. Do you think the people that make Range Rover are offended by the fact that I don't want to pay $135,000 for their car? I don't think so. They're going to go, mm, Kathleen's not part of our ideal client target market. Move on to the next person who does see value in paying $135,000 for that four-wheeled black four-door car with windscreen wipers. No, thank you. Not my cup of tea. But they are not offended by that. They are going out there and actively seeking and searching for the people who will pay $135,000 for that thing. It ain't me. You need to do the same thing. If you love your wholesaler, if they provide good product, good customer service, and are reliable, why would you even think about finding a new wholesaler? You can decide if you want to attract a lower-end client and have lower-end pricing, then use lower-priced wholesale product. You can go out there and change your design style and your ingredients to incorporate lower cost wholesale product, and then your suggested retail price will go down. Or you can make your designs smaller. That is another way to make your retail price go down. But if you feel like you are too expensive, that is all in your head, which is great because it also means you get to change it. And as long as your pricing model is in line with the industry standard, there's no way it's too expensive. Two things to keep in mind. One, you are a service provider. Do not allow yourself, and more importantly, do not allow your clients to get fixated on the stems that are in your hand or the ingredients that are in that photo. It is our job, our number one marketing priority, to go out there and proactively educate our clients on the fact that we are service providers. We have to change the argument away from the ingredients and the particular stems of what is in that Instagram photo. Start educating your clients on the fact that you are a full service provider. And I would double check that you are happy with your pricing model. Because I'm not convinced that you are. From my girl in Vancouver, Blumier.ca, which she says with such an amazing accent. 
and not my weird English-speaking, not Francophone Canadian weirdness. Did you raise prices for special occasions like Valentine's Day and Mother's Day? For shiz. I will go into so much more detail about Valentine's Day because I have so many learnings about that whole experience. However, if your wholesaler is raising prices, your prices change accordingly. It is actually very simple economics. Because the supply of flowers needs to be spread out over the entire planet, it means that supply is going to go down. Your customers are going to demand something quite specific. Therefore, prices change accordingly. 100%. As our wholesalers' prices change, the prices change to our clients. Here's something to think about. When you walk into the grocery store, double-check the price of apples or bananas or mangoes or cherries, whatever is around, right? The price of those ingredients, the price of that fresh produce is not necessarily the same week upon week upon week. Does anybody else remember, if you live in Australia, those many, many years ago when there is a massive natural disaster up in Queensland and the price of bananas skyrocketed? Skyrocketed. Like $20 a kilo, possibly even more. Today, the price of bananas is very different. But remember, walk into the grocery store, do a little quick look-see to see how much things are. How much is that punnet of strawberries? $2.50. Go in next week and see if it's the same price. Go in six months from now and see if it's the same price. Yeah, exactly. Wholesale flowers operate in the same space. Now, our price fluctuations are not as dramatic as they often are for Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. But remember, it's you as the conscientious business owner who is setting your prices according to your wholesale product, and it's up to your client to decide whether they see value in it or not. You can always, I can guarantee you, there is always a more cost-effective solution that you can provide with your client. It's up to you whether you want to present it, what that looks like, and it's up to your client to decide which one they want to pay for. So 100% change your prices for Valentine's Day and Mother's Day as your wholesale product changes. Another question from my girl Vicky, does our flower crown wiring follow the same pricing model or should it be even more? 100%. If you want to charge even more than the industry standard for your flower crowns, you have my permission. They are a very specific service that we provide. It takes expertise and skill. And 100%, most of us can whip off a flower crown pretty easily because no, it's not rocket science. Yes, it's a very basic skill to learn, but do not underestimate, do not underestimate the expertise involved in making a flower crown happen. Just because all of these skills are ingrained with you doesn't mean that you should offer it for cheap. So when it comes to floral design and flower crowns, you can mark them up even more than the industry standard because it takes expertise. And remember, if you have a one-off flower crown order, you're going to have to buy a whole bunch of product to make that happen. So don't be shy about charging even more. If you ever want my permission to charge you even more, message me and I'll always grant you permission. 
always, 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 I will grant you permission to increase your prices and charge more monies. Okay, people, we're almost here, almost at the end. Two more to go. Brush, wood, floral design asks, how do you price for delivery within a certain kilometer distance and then outside of that area? When it comes to weddings and events, we had a flat rate delivery. We calculated for an average wedding, how long would it take one person to pack the van? How long would it take them to drive to the venue, do the drop-off, load things back up, come back to the studio, clean everything out, get it sorted? That is what our flat rate delivery service was based on. When it comes to everyday flowers, we based it on the number of kilometers away from the shop. And remember, it's all about the return trip. It's great to send your courier out to the middle of nowhere, but you need to remember that they also need to come back from the middle of nowhere. So some of our delivery costs were $35, $25. Some of our clients completely balked at that. And they're like, oh my God, I can't pay that much. I'm only paying $50 for flowers and $25 then for an additional delivery. It's up to your customer to decide if they see value in it or not. If they want to tell the recipient to come into the shop and pick up the flowers, that's totally fine. They're allowed to do that. So set your delivery prices based on kilometers and time it takes to travel to the location and back from the location. In our case, we delivered to, I think, something like 10 or 12 suburbs, of which almost half of those are like 20 to 30 minutes away. So that's 60 minutes round trip, right? We're hoping, fingers crossed, and most of the time this happened, in many cases, our courier and our delivery driver got to gang up on deliveries. So that meant they had multiple deliveries, hopefully a couple heading out to the suburb, could make enough money on your deliveries to warrant the massive trip half an hour south and then return back to the shop. It's a big footprint. So you can decide to break it up by kilometers traveled and kind of put suburbs into specific categories and have like two, if not three, specific tiers of delivery costs within X number of kilometers, and then a different price for within a bigger X number of kilometers, and then a third price within a bigger, bigger X number of kilometers. But I love the idea of having a very clear boundary. So let's say, as a totally different example, you do weddings and events in a big city, plus you'll do some outskirts, or you're happy to travel. Set your delivery based on total number of kilometers traveled. Last question. Blush and Broom Floral Design asks, when you are pricing for weddings and events, is your sundries also calculated in your pricing? Absolutely. So if we go back and revisit the industry standard pricing models, if you're doing weddings and events, it's going to be your wholesale product. So that is... Flowers, foliage, sundries, times three. Add on your 30 to 50%, add on your tax, bam. If you're doing everyday flowers, really important to also make sure you have your allocation for your sundries or your hard goods within your wholesale product as well. So your wholesale product, any time that I refer to it, will always include a sundries or a hard goods allocation, plus your flowers, plus your foliage. That's your wholesale cost, right? It's a variable cost 
related to you making that design happen, your wholesale cost. Then that's where you're going to start your baseline and do your markup from there. Okay, kids, that's it. All questions answered for the minute. If you found this type of podcast and this type of approach super helpful, let me know. Send me a message, say, I liked this, or can you go back and do something on that? Because I don't like this style. It's fine. You tell me what you want to hear, and that is what will happen. And I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope 2020 is serving you well, and I hope you're setting your goals higher. And I will talk to y'alls later. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you want to get your hands on some more good stuff, jump on over to girlbossbusiness.com and grab my free course. That's G-I-R-L-B-O-S-S-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S.com. Enter your email address and you will automatically receive access to day one of my free four-day online program. In my free course, you'll get access to even more tips and tricks and how-tos for building the business of your dreams. I am on a mission to make sure every designer has what they need to build their dream creative business, just like me.